immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I, I know, but don't know who all was here last week. But if you were here last week uh, to uh, be here when the bishop was here, um, I want to take this opportunity in part to follow his sermon from last week. Uh, that makes sense, given as much as the, the gospel reading follows the reading from last week. Uh, but I want to take this opportunity because it's a, it's a good one for us to be reminded about as we continue to move through this epiphany season. And again, the epiphany season begins by recounting on January 6th, or the Sunday closest to it, the coming of the Magi, that the gospel is for everyone. So we we are still in that season reminding ourselves and being reminded by the readings that the gospel is for all people. And tonight's collect, which is helpfully printed in the bulletin, says, Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all the people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works. So there's both the request, the petition that we've made to God for ourselves to respond, but then also to proclaim to all the people. So our response to our reception of this gospel, the light of Christ, is to proclaim it. And that's what the bishop, in part, at least last week, was reminding us to do, right? That the part of the text where John the Baptist and others were like, behold, here comes Jesus, right? And the way the bishop said, it's kind of like saying, hey, guys, look. Right? Here he comes. Take a look at that guy. Right? You know, so as, as they point to Jesus, we want to take this opportunity to continue sitting in that space here in Epiphany Tide, in Epiphany Season, and to reflect on that for ourselves. And tonight's gospel reading that Deacon Wale just read continues that narrative. It picks up by telling us that John the Baptist is arrested. And so Jesus chooses to withdraw into Galilee for different reasons, I'm sure, but in part to fulfill this prophecy that was spoken about the Messiah. So he goes to Galilee, and as he's in Galilee, he doesn't just go to find a place to hang out. He doesn't go to find a place to get away. I mean, Jesus has those moments where he finds places to get away from people, but that's not what his going into Galilee is, right? It's not, that's not the point of that because when he gets there from that time verse 17 from the moment Jesus arrives in Galilee this area in Capernaum which is in Galilee that he begins to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand so again Jesus isn't withdrawing to get away he's going there in part to fulfill prophecy but he continues to be consistent and on task if you will by preaching and what does he preach? Well, it's exactly what our collect tonight is talking about. He, he preaches that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's, that's a Matthean way of talking about that this is the gospel. And, of course, Jesus himself is embodying the gospel. He is the gospel, right? But he's preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the text holds up for us. Jesus is... Uh, preaching as a model to our own selves to proclaim as the second part of our collect that we pray tonight. And again, we, we pray these collects not just to have something to do in the service, 
right? The collect collects together the readings, the themes of the readings, so that we can offer them in prayer to God. And so we've prayed both that we would receive the good news of the gospel, that we would also proclaim the gospel. So if we're going to ask God to help us to proclaim it, then here's Jesus modeling for us what that can look like. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But more than just being those who preach that, the second half of the collect, it's those who hear it and respond to it. Right? So, the re- so we pray to God to help make us quick in responding to the offer of the gospel. Right? And so we want to look at the fact that this reading this evening gives us an opportunity to reflect on two examples of this. Simon, who was called Peter, but not the Peter that we think of. This is Simon and his brother, Andrew. Right? So these two give us an example of people who have responded. So for us to see this, to live into the first half of the collect, to be those who receive the gospel and respond. So Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, sees two brothers, Simon and Andrew. And what are they doing? I don't know, probably their job. This probably isn't recreational fishing. They're, they're at their job. They're doing the work that earns them a living. They're doing a work that earns them food, obviously, for their belly, but also to earn them a living. They were fishermen, the text tells us. They're, they're not doing anything at all extraordinary. Matter of fact, they're doing something so ordinary, it'd be easy to walk right past them and not think about it. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but maybe I've said this from the pulpit before. I read name tags of people at restaurants and at Walmart and things like that. And then I use their name which always shocks them because they forget that they wear a name tag. Have you ever done this? And I don't do it to patronize them. I do it to call them by their name, right? But they forget that they're wearing their name. So you walk up, like I did recently to someone, her name was Crystal. Crystal, could you show me? And she kind of was taken aback and she answered and then I could see her wheels returning. How does he know who I am? And I said, thank you, Crystal, and walked away. So if she figured it out, it was after I had walked away. But, you know, we walk past people all the time, don't notice them, don't pay much attention to them. Why? Because they're just doing their job faithfully. People walk by us doing the same thing. So Simon and Andrew doing their job. Jesus is walking by preaching, and he says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I guess you could hear this as an invitation to something better. Ooh, fishing for men. Is that better than fishing for fish? I mean, first of all, what, what would that even be, right? That would be the first thing. I'm sure they're looking at each other like, fishing for men, right? What, what, what is that? What does that look like? But nonetheless, if there was some pause where they had some discussion that Matthew didn't record for us, if there's some thought about who is this and what is he asking us to do, we don't get that. All we get is Matthew's testimony and word that says immediately they left their nets and followed him. Okay, maybe a couple of ways to think about this. We would say, wow, Simon and Andrew hated their job. <laughs> they hated being fishermen. So the moment someone came along and gave them another option, they said, sure, we'll do it. We don't even know what it is, but we'll do it. Sounds great. We don't like this life, right? But that's not the way the text frames it for us at all, that instead Jesus 
is preaching the gospel. He preaches it to two people who are just there doing their job, minding their own business, but then immediately they leave their nets and follow him. Again, the first half of the collect for tonight, right, where we prayed, give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ. Readily to answer the call. That as God continues to call us, right, that we continue to respond to this call. Not just once I became a Christian, but we continue to live into the fullness of this calling over and over again in our lives. Well, so there's the example. Simon and Andrew, we think again, maybe, maybe this is, they don't like their jobs. That's why they responded. And going on from there, Matthew continues, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Okay, two more brothers. And they're in the boat with Zebedee, their father, right? Doing what? Mending their nets. So again, fishermen. And what does he do? He calls to them. And Matthew records the exact same response for us. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Well, maybe Simon and Andrew just don't like their jobs, and they were just waiting for a better offer. Right? But James and John don't just leave their jobs. They leave their father. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. Now, I couldn't help but thinking the, uh, this week, was I, I was thinking about these texts, of Matthew 8. So jumping a few chapters ahead, uh, Matthew 8 says this. It's a, it's a familiar gospel text, um, or text from the gospel, so you'll probably recognize it. It has parallels in Luke. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Remember this? Remember this part of the Gospels? And Jesus says to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat... His disciples followed him. Now, it's unclear if these two individuals that Jesus spoke to in Matthew 8 responded. We don't know. The text is unclear if they actually followed Jesus or not. Matter of fact, the text would seem to suggest that they don't, that Jesus has kind of thrown down the gauntlet of what it means to follow him, and they're choosing not to do it. But, but here in Matthew 4, the gospel reading for tonight, we have these examples of people who immediately follow Jesus. And just a few chapters later, we have people who are looking, they want to be followers, they, they profess to be followers, that they will follow Jesus, but they, they, they want it on some set of terms. There's no immediacy to their following, that there's conditions to it. Well, let me go, right, let me go home and bury my father. I mean, it, Jesus, just a few chapters before, had called two men, and they left their father, and he was alive. This man wants to go home and bury his father, and Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So we're faced tonight through our collect, through the gospel reading, to reflect on what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, 
What does it mean for us not to just be those who hear the gospel, but who readily respond to the gospel and then become proclaimers of the gospel ourselves? Well, the first Corinthians passage, to jump ahead and think about that for a moment, is interesting because there the text wants us to think more about the nature of division in the church. Right? It is about following people. But here it's people, I follow Apollos, right? I follow Paul. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ, right? Well, is Christ divided that you would follow these people? No, the following is of Christ. That's the point. And so much so that we have this great parenthetical that Betsy read so well of like kind of Paul accounting for those people that he's responsible for in the parish. I think that's everyone. Right, so if we're going to take this reckoning about kind of who baptized who or something like that, okay, that's everyone. I accounted for everyone that I minister to, but it doesn't matter. You're supposed to be following Christ. Otherwise, you're going to have division. Schismata is the word. You're going to be schismatics. And the point is, by following Christ and not humans, who God has used to bring people in the church, Right? Everyone agrees, and then they're united in the same mind and the same judgment. So the immediately following, the obedience to the call of Christ, results in unity within the body. Because we're all following the same person. And no matter maybe how we were called, or who God used to call us, doesn't matter as much as hearing that voice of Jesus... And following him, just like Simon and Andrew, just like James and John, immediately, readily, according to our calling. Now, maybe you're thinking, yes, Father Greg, I know this. I've heard all this before. But I think it's worth us thinking about this again, because this is a choice each and every day. Do I continue to readily? That's what our collect is praying Right, that's what we prayed. May we continually, may we continue to readily respond to Jesus' call upon our life. And if we're going to pray it, it's worth reflecting on do we do it, and do we do it immediately? Do we do it with conditions put on it? Sure, God, if I have nothing better to do. Right? Sure, God, but only if it meets my felt and perceived needs i mean sure but only if fill in the blank you've got excuses i have excuses it's not hard to fill in the blank it's easy to fill in the blank you think just because i have some black clergy shirts hanging in my closet that it would be any easier for me to emulate this call it's not it's a decision each and every day conscious or otherwise. So we are presented with a set of texts that tell us that our response to God's call in our life should be immediate. That we have these four disciples who who emulate for us that immediate response of following Jesus. We have the warning from 1 Corinthians that to, to follow anyone else will simply bring division into the church. And that includes following your own whims and desires. It includes me following my own whims and desires. 
If I follow church on my terms and you follow church on your terms, it's only a matter of time before there's going to be division. Because we're no, no longer following he who is the Lord of the church. So let me conclude by saying three things. There is a great cost to following Jesus. Think about James and John leaving their father. There is a cost to discipleship. Let me go bury my father. No, let the dead bury their dead. So there's a great cost to following Jesus. And, and I think it's different for each one of us. I think it's different each time we make the decision to be followers of Jesus. It's costing us something. But we should know that there is great cost to it. Second, and perhaps more controversially, if you're deliberating, then you're prob probably not following Jesus very well. Immediately, they follow Jesus. You're thinking about it, burying your, the dead, right? Give me a little more time. I'll follow you wherever, Jesus. If we're deliberating, then we're probably not following Jesus well. And lastly... If we're all following Jesus well, then we will likely, to use the language of Paul, be united in the same mind and the same judgment. We'll just all be doing the same thing. Isn't it nice for those of you who have either played sports, coached sports, had kids in sports, right? Isn't it nice when the kids get old enough in sport, for example, to be playing the same thing? When my kids were in t-ball, half the team played t-ball, and half the team played run after the thing that rolls on the ground. <laughs> well, let's change the image. When my kids started playing instruments, right, in middle school and joined the band, everyone was attempting to play that instrument, their respective instrument. It's just no one was actually trying to be a band at that moment, right? Or at least it didn't sound like they were trying so think about it. Think about those images that, and with my kids, they, they got better. All the other students got better. So every time I went to another concert, it was kind of easier to be there. <laughs> right? And, and when Nathaniel went through, there was no next. So I never would have to repeat that early stage again, right? Just, okay, good. This is good. My kids didn't play baseball long enough for me to see that vast of improvement. But I, I think I had a glimpse, and maybe Brendan's last year, it seemed like most of the team were playing baseball, with, you know, maybe the exception of the right fielder, but there's a reason why he was in right field. And that might have been Brendan. I don't know. Just use an example there. Right? So there's a great cost of following Jesus. If we're deliberating, then we're probably not following Jesus very well because that wouldn't be immediately, immediate. And if we're all following well, then we will likely be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So as we have this opportunity to continue through Epiphany, to think about the nature of the gospel, think about how we have opportunity to respond anew each and every day to the gospel, we also don't want to lose sight of the fact that we are then supposed to be proclaimers of the gospel as well, but we will not proclaim it if we're not following well. We cannot lay out before others Jesus' expectation that they follow immediately if we ourselves are not doing well. So let us be challenged by our prayer this evening, our colic. Let us be challenged by these readings to each and every day, deliberately at great cost, to immediately follow Jesus.
and to trust him to give us the strength to point others in the same direction as we ourselves are moving through his empowerment. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.